Welcome back to Talking BS. This is Brandon Lancaster, and we're back again for another exciting episode. Seth, how's it going today? Going good, going good. Uh, it's uh, first uh, first day after spring break for teachers, so uh, uh, been kind of a long day. But uh, luckily, this is a good week for sports. We got the national championship game tonight. Uh, which is not the most exciting matchup, but uh, I think I think it has a chance to be a close game. I don't know if it's going to be like a real entertaining game because it's so much defense, but I think it'll be a close game to kind of keep us entertained. And then, of course, later in the week, uh, to conclude Jim Nance week, we have uh, the Masters. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's kind of bittersweet this week. We've had two good weeks in a row where – our schedule just happened to work out where we were in the same location at the same time and got to do the show sitting beside each other. And then we're back to doing uh, the long distance relationship once again, but we're going to make it work. You know, just to touch on the the game tonight, everybody, the dogs of Virginia a little bit, just from the style that they play. I feel like it's just kind of uh, their style of play is, it's a style for people for basketball, you know, purists kind of, or people that know the game really well. It's 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 not the up tempo, really exciting style that everybody loves, but it's still really well coached, well played, fundamental basketball. And I think that the good takeaway that you may have is we may look back ten, fifteen years from now, and this may be two of the brightest young coaches. I think both of these guys have the potential of having multiple Final Fours, possibly multiple national championships under their belt 10 years, 15 years from now. Well, I read something that was kind of funny. It's funny that you bring that up uh, because it was talking about the two coaches. I read it earlier this morning after I got out of the shower, you know, kind of wasting time before I went to work. And uh, it was talking about in five years from now uh, is – is both of the coaches still going to be at their school? One of the coaches, neither of the coaches, and kind of what you're saying, like them being still pretty young. I think yeah. Tony Bennett's 49, and I think Chris Beard's like 45, maybe 46. So, and, and and the majority of the 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 people who were on or that were taking part in this article, there was like four or five different writers. I think all of them, but one said both of them. Would be at a different place within the next five years. So I was kind of, I was kind of interesting to read. Uh, a lot of them said Tony Bennett. They thought Tony Bennett would either be at one of the bigger blue bu- blue blue bugs like Duke. You know, it may be open within the next five years or yeah something like that. Or they could see the, a lot of them said they could see him going to the NBA. And then this is kind of interesting to think about because it's a Big 12 school. Uh, the majority of them thought Chris Beard may go, uh, may be Bill Self's replacement at Kansas. So I thought that was kind of interesting. To, uh, they, they said well, that they could see him going to Kansas maybe. Yeah, Chris Beard's team especially. You know, if you had these two teams with these two coaches with just different names on their uniform, I think it would be a marquee Bout. You know, although Virginia has a good basketball history uh, with their with their years in the '80s with Samson, uh, you know, and they, they just I feel like they have pretty good support with the fans. They're never going to be a top tier program, but they're not they're not they're they're not nobodies, and they're in a big conference. Uh, but Texas Tech obviously is not a top tier program, and I would be I, if if one of the guys is going to stay, I would say it's going to be 
Bennett because Bennett is primed to have Virginia be like the premier program possibly in ACC. They have pretty good facilities, they have good fans, and Roy Williams and Mike Krzyzewski, both those guys eventually have to retire, and somebody's got to kind of step in and fill that void. So if he's committed to Virginia, I could see where he could stay there. Chris Beard, like I feel like he is just such a talent for a coach, and I, I don't want to say it would be wasted. I just don't think he'll ever be able to get the type of players that he would need to be that upper echelon top of the game coach at Texas Tech. I may be wrong. No, I don't. I don't think the I don't think the consistency would be there. It'd be kind of one one every maybe six or seven years he can make a run like he has this year or something. So I agree with you on that. Um, even, even though we just said that, I mean, he, he's now back-to-back years. He made an Elite Eight and now national championship game with vastly different rosters. But even if he was just across the state in Texas or in Texas A&M, one of those two schools, I think that would be a marquee enough brand where, you know, he could have them a top-five program every year. But – I'll say this, and I could be completely wrong in about 48 hours. I would be absolutely stunned if either one of these guys took the UCLA job. Well, I mean, there's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of nervous people in Knoxville today. And yeah, I saw that. It, airs, it, it may be off or not. You know, it looks like UCLA is making a tour around the country to make sure all the top coaches are getting either lifetime contracts or at least raises. You know, they've already made their way through Calipari, and then they they flirted with Jamie Dixon, and I've heard that there's been some flirtation with Mick Cronin at Cincinnati, and now with Rick Barnes. You know, they're just kind of making their way through uh, the country and making sure people get uh, get get raises. And I would think ultimately that's what's going to happen with Rick Barnes, but you never know. But, I just I mean, think I think that UCLA with Rick Barnes, I don't think it makes sense because they're not a program that's win now. And he's like sixty-four years old, so I get yeah. that doesn't make sense. I mean, he may coach another ten years, maybe, and I just don't know if he wants to use that energy that he's had to use at Tennessee to kind of build them where they're at. And then I don't know if he wants to start over again. UCLA is just a fallen giants. They they know what they can be, but they're in shambles right now. Um, and you look at. You know, kind of what Barnes did at Tennessee. Tennessee was kind of in shambles, and it only took him four years. And you can do a rebuild in basketball much quicker than you can in football. All you need, all you need, is a couple of recruiting classes. Right. So he can stay if if he does like what he did at Tennessee. If he's there only four, five, six years, stabilizes the program. Where in four years, if he decides to step down or retire, then it's back to being a top ten coaching destination. Then they can go after somebody. It would be, it it, it was. It's, it's not the lateral move that they would want it to be for these top-tier guys for like a Calipari. You know, him going from Kentucky to UCLA at this point is a step down, but if they could stabilize that program, you know, they would have a better chance of attracting some of those guys. But before we get go too deep, I mean, I know we can talk college basketball, you know, until, until our face turns blue, but I, I really wanted to focus the majority of this episode on a sport that we haven't talked a lot about. It's a sport that... Neither one of us play, but you know, I, I have a, at least I have a little bit of a passion for it. Growing up, watching it so much, and this is such a big week for it. But you'd already touched touch base on it a little bit. This being Masters Week, uh, I, well, let's talk a little bit about uh, professional golf and the season that we have ahead of us. You know, I feel like Masters Week is the unofficial start of the golf season. 
even though we've had some big tournaments already, uh, the Players' Championship is the biggest one to come to mind. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about about the Masters. Are, are you excited about watching? Oh, what, yeah. What's the, what's the storylines you're looking at and, and things like that? Uh, I mean, I, I, obviously, I'm, I'm super excited. I'm a big I, – uh, this kind of sounds like a uh, kind of like a bandwagon fan, I guess, for lack of a better word. Uh, but I really, really enjoy watching the four majors when it comes to golf. Like I will, uh, as much as I can Thursday and Friday when I'm not at school, I'll definitely be watching the coverage. And then over the weekend and Sunday especially, I will be glued to the TV. Especially if you know certain names are up at the top of the leaderboard. Right. I think yeah. I think there's a couple of stories. I checked this morning on the Ogs. I think Rory is the favorite to win it. Uh, he he's uh, been playing well this year. I mean, and then you got uh, obviously. I think the biggest story would be Tiger if he could if he could somehow win it. Uh, I think right now in Vegas they have him as like the fifth favorite. Um, some other people, I think they're going to be in the hunt. Um, Jordan Spieth always plays good at Augusta. He hasn't had a great start to the season, but he always plays good at Augusta. Uh, he's been in the hunt for like, yeah, yeah. He's he, you know, he's the new Jack Nicklaus. Um, I think, um, I think there's some there's some people that are big names that haven't won the green jacket that I would like to see maybe be competitive. Uh, Dustin Johnson. Um, I think he may be competitive. His his kind of being able to drive the ball like he can kind of fix Augusta well. Uh, same thing uh, with with our boy. I just lost his name, but Brooks Kepka. Yes, you know he, he's probably he, he's probably not listening to us because he's in the gym doing some push ups or bench press right uh, now. But uh, right now. yeah, I mean besides besides Tiger, I'm 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 gonna be a Tiger fan till he's done. Um, you know, I've kind of stuck by his side through through his good and bad times. But I've I've really gotten to, I've really me and you both have really gotten on the uh, Brooks Kepka uh, uh, fandom the last the last uh, year or so. My favorite moment in golf the last 10 years was the first time he won the U.S. Open, and it looked like he won, like, a $5 scratch-off. Like, he... Yeah, he didn't care. Well, I don't know if he didn't care, but... Well, it looked like he he didn't care. He just keeps it cool, man, and that is the perfect mentality for, you know, a big-time major championship golfer. Like, everybody loves the fist pumps and things like that, but to, to get to the fist pump, you have to have those you know nerves of steel you have to have that ice water running through your veins and if anybody's got it it's got to be that guy that guy just looks so even kill all the time man that's but he's fun to watch play because you know he wears the medium size shirt he's you know a big he looks like the part of an athlete so and he can just kind of attack the course but kind of taking a step back you know specifically just talking about the masters like i love watching golf uh almost you know more than i like playing it because i can't hit it straight and I've never played well enough where I can you know consistently score to where it's not miserable and I'm not chasing around uh, the golf ball all, yeah I'm the same all, way you know all afternoon but I you know I've grown up watching it enough working working at the golf course I had you know a ton of my good friends that were big time golfers I even enjoyed you know you know riding around the golf carts watching those guys play I think it's so amazing what they can do just you know striking that little ball and and getting it to do these amazing things uh, but you know, for the most part, I'm kind of like you. I am. I feel like golf is almost like uh, the NFL, where they own you know kind of Sunday afternoon. To me, it's a Sunday afternoon type sport. Even with the majors, most of the time, 
uh, you know, that's when I want to tune in. I tune in Sunday afternoon. I want to watch, you know, if it's a big tournament, I may watch the full 18, but I like to watch the back nine, see who's involved and see who brings it home. But with the pageantry and just, you know, it just the Masters is different. That That's a tournament where you can be invested all four days, and that's a lot of time. I mean, you're, you're yeah. talking, you know, a lot of coverage, and it's really, really hard to justify spending that much time watching any one sporting event. But you can you can not feel bad uh, watching a lot of hours of, of the Masters just because of the gravity of the tournament and the names that you still see in that that tournament. Uh, and I think it's the only one that can really captivate for that amount of time. Well, th- this is I, I just think like I, I, there's just something about like the Masters that's just so special, like. It's just like it's just this. The golf course is so beautiful every single year. Um, it's just something like I would just like a couple of years ago. Uh, my wife and I, we we got tickets to the Masters. I was so excited about going, and then something came up where we had to sell our tickets. You know, within like the last couple of weeks, I was so disappointed that it didn't work out for us to go. But I've just heard so many stories, I, and I'm going to promote another podcast on our podcast, I guess. Uh, but Marty Smith, uh, ESPN's Marty Smith, is doing a Masters podcast all this week. Every every or every day, he's going to have a new episode. And the first episode, uh, I listened to it yesterday. I was getting, I was doing my workout, and I was listening to this podcast, and just him, just having him talk about his first time to Augusta and Jim Nance was on there talking about what, what the masters means to him. And, you know, he's been calling the masters for, I think like 30, 30 something years now. And it's just, it was so much, it was so cool to listen to. Like it it made you feel like you were there and like, like Marty Smith kind of, kind of told a story. Like he went with his uncle or I'm sorry, his wife's uncle to the masters for the first time. And his uncle was like, Marty, before we leave, I just want to stop and just, just take it in for a second. He said that they just kind of stood in, in like in a fairway or like off a fairway and just kind of stood there and just took it all in before they left because it was that special to him. And I just think that's what the Masters brings. Like, you know, you have uh, – and, and I hope I hope that – um, not, not that not that I'm going to be cheering against anybody. There's really nobody in golf that I just just completely dislike. But I hope right. a big name wins it because I think that makes it more yeah. special. You know, yeah. I, well, I mean, it's their biggest event, and like I think we talked about it before. I like it kind of when the person that is most deserving wins. Like I, I'm all for an upset now and every once in a while specifically if there's a good story with it. But I, I just like for people to be deserving. And I guess anybody who throws together four great rounds and actually throws down the lowest score, they still deserve it. But I like it when – I'm, I'm with you. I like it when bigger names win, you know, you know, majors, specifically the Masters, because of how big it seems. And, you know, that tournament just uh, – you know, even little stuff, you know, just how they have – each hole has its own name and yeah. how you know about the pimento cheese sandwiches and how it's always in that one at that one course and it, it doesn't rotate there's just there, there's just a lot of neat things now seth we, we talked about this earlier and i gave you the option and what if i gave you Spieth, mcelroy woods and mickelson versus the field would you take those four guys and bet an amount of money that matter to you with those four guys versus the field. Now, I know that those aren't the top four guys, but they're four guys that 
are very familiar with this course. They're four big-name guys, and they're four guys that CBS would love to be in the running come Sunday afternoon. Do, do I, think- I, I was going to say, I don't think that – I don't know if I can make that bet just mm-hmm. because – The four aren't really playing that well, but, but because – it's the Masters and it's that tournament. That that's the any of those four. Like those are the four biggest storylines that CBS could hope for. Like one of those yeah. four winning. That's that's the biggest ratings at, on Sunday afternoon. Like that right. that's what they want. You know, even if Dustin Johnson were to win, or our boy Brooks Kepka were to win, like it's not as big of a story as one of those four winning. I would. I'm going to say yes, just because it's, it's wishful thinking. Because I would be yeah. completely cool with any of those four winning. I would love to see Tiger wing it. He's who I'm rooting for. But I would be I would be awesome with any of those four. Rory, he could complete his uh, career grand slam if he won it, yeah. which would be cool for him. Um, and he just seems like you know he just seems like a good guy. You know, uh, Spieth. You know, I'm a big Spieth fan. He's probably one of my top three or four favorite golfers. Uh, Phil. You know he he's just been doing it for so long. He's just a funny guy. I uh, he he's one of those guys. He, that course really well too. He's one of those guys like for like Kobe. Like I know Kobe's your guy, but as yeah. his career went on, like the more I like, the more I liked Kobe, and the more I've started to like Phil. Like he's just he's he's become more likable to me. Uh, and then of course he's Tiger. I mean he's Tiger. Okay. He's he's the story. You know why you like Phil more now than you did. 10, 15 years ago, it's because 10, 15 years ago, you didn't know him. Like, the reason why, you know, and that's so, that's what's so unique about golf, is you get to watch these guys grow, and you get to watch these guys age, and just go into different stages of their life, um, and you get to see their personality kind of unfold, they get more and more comfortable with the, with the stage and setting, you get to know more and more about them. You know, the guy that, that Phil Mickelson was, when he first started battling Tiger, is not the guy that he was that he is now. That guy 20 years ago was somebody who had aspirations of being Tiger Woods, and he wanted to be the foil, the anti-Tiger. And, and, and you know, you looked at it as you know a battle between the two guys. And now that he looks like a guy who's very comfortable in his skin, very comfortable in, with his place in golf, and he's let that personality just kind of flow out. And uh, I think it's made him, although he was a very popular guy. You know, because there was always those people that wanted somebody who was the anti-Tiger. You know, I think he's even more popular now because he because of that comfort level. And I think I think Tiger has gotten more likable. I mean, I've oh, always yeah. liked him, but he he just he just kind of has like a new perspective on life, and you know, he just kind of yeah. talks about like he, he he said last year at the Open Championship when he was in contention, and then he kind of lost the last couple of holes, and I think he ended up getting like top five a couple of strokes off the lead. He like came off the course and he was, you know, probably 15 years ago he'd be he'd be, you know, mad at the world, you know, upset right. that he lost it, but he was just like, you know, I just want I just want my kids to see, you know, be proud of me. And like, you know, Tiger 15 years ago is not saying that. So I think I've always yeah. been a huge fan, but now he's even more likable. You know, you, you see him yeah. smiling, making jokes on the course with other players and I just think that's real cool. Well, 15 years ago, too, most important thing in the world to him and all he cared about was winning that tournament and and being the greatest of all time that's all he cared about and now at this point he's experienced real loss you know losing he realizes that losing a tournament a golf tournament isn't really true loss like you know obviously he wants to win but you know he's still he's still the person that he is whether or not he wins or loses that tournament 
And, uh, you know, I, I know he still has a strong desire to win and a, and a drive to win, but he knows that even if he wins another green jacket or he wins another tournament, he, gets, he, he only – you know, that's an interesting fact, but I'll get back to my point I'm trying to make. You know, every time they win, they don't get a new green jacket. They just get to wear their same green jacket over again. Well, you said that You said that over the weekend. I, I did not know that. I knew they didn't get to take it home with them after, like, a year. They had to stay at the course. Yeah, and, you get uh, to wear it for a year, and then after that year, it stays at the clubhouse, and then you get to wear it Masters Week, or you get to wear it while you're there. But he gets to take his jacket. If he wins it again, he'll get to take his jacket and wear it for another year. Uh, but it's not like he has four green jackets sitting at the house. He just has the one Tiger Woods jacket that sits at Augusta National Golf Club. Man, that's so cool, though. That I mean, I think that's another thing that makes Augusta and the Masters so special. It's, it's such a cool, like, trophy to have is that green jacket. Like, that's, I just think that's really cool. Getting back to my point, like I said, he, he, he realizes that, you know, winning the tournament is not the end all. So I think that, like, exactly like you said, he's allowed – He's allowed himself to let his guard down a little bit. He's not just that stone-faced, you know, uh, animal, you know, that's just calculating and just trying to win golf tournaments. He's, he's allowing himself to be, you know, let his personality out, let himself be Tiger Woods, win or lose. Right. Uh, so, so tell me, uh, you've mentioned a little bit, so if, but if you have to really put your foot in the sand, who do you think is going to win this tournament? Um... My my heart is always going to say Tiger, but my head's going to say Rory. Like I think a couple of years ago, when Jordan Spieth had his big year, like you know, you felt like he was going to win every tournament. So far yeah. this year, and from what I've kept up with so far, this feels like the same thing for Rory. I think that this would be it. I think this is going to be Rory's year, and uh-huh. I think that it's the year. Um, that he completes the career Grand Slam. I think that he may win another major. Uh, I'm, I'm going to predict that Tiger's breakthrough comes at Pebble Beach, the U.S. Open. So I'm going to say that Rory wins come Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I think that would be a very, very likely scenario. And that was probably going to be my pick until you said that. And I just, for argument's sake, I'm not going to do it. Um, and I, I do think that Tiger is going to be in the running. I think his name is going to be on the leaderboard for the majority of the weekend. I think that Rory and Spieth definitely will. Uh, I'm not for sure Phil will, although I would love it. The guy I think I'm going to pick is another guy that I think would be okay with, with CBS would be okay if he's the one uh, leading and it's a, a guy that's been in the top, and it's a local guy for people who are from Kentucky. Uh, I'm going to pick Justin Thomas. He's another top-flight guy. Has not broken through uh, at the Masters. Uh, he's another real skilled player, another one of the young guns. Um, I can see him because the Masters tends to surprise us. I can see him being a guy that makes a run. Uh, in the tournament, I feel like his game fits well with with what Augusta has. Uh, so he's going to be my pick. It's a little less sexy than yours, but uh, hopefully in uh, next week when we're doing our next episode, I, I'll have a little bit of bragging rights. I, I'd be okay with Justin Thomas. Uh, that's one. That's a name I've actually kind of forgotten about, but not yeah. not not because he he's not he's completely falling off the earth. I just didn't think about him. So I'm glad you kind of 
brought him to my attention. That's a good pick. And that, that's kind of why I wanted to pick him is because I don't think his name gets thrown out there with some of the other big guys. And I think he's almost had as much success as far as just winning tournaments and at least been in the, like, the leaderboards. But he just hasn't had that big moment on the biggest stage. Is that fair? Like, I think that... I want to say that he won the PGA Championship. Yeah, he won the PGA, yeah. Which is, I mean, if you're going to rank the four majors, it's, it's number four as far as in prestige, viewership, and that sort of stuff. So he, he's, he's proven that he's a major championship golfer or major championship winner. He, ha, he has the wherewithal to pull that off, but to do it at Augusta, at the Masters, you know, and with it being his second uh, major championship, I think that would put him in that conversation in the top. Another guy we haven't mentioned yet that I would love to, to try to pull this off, and I don't think he will because I think the moment would just be too big. I think his breakthrough may come at a, at one of the other majors sometime is Ricky Fowler. I think he's another guy just seems like a good dude, has good game, and he's he, Consistently in that leaderboard, but just has never broken through. Yeah, I'm a big, a big Ricky Fowler fan. I'd love to see that happen. Yeah, he just seems like a good dude. He has some of that personality. He would be a real marketable guy if he could, if he could consistently be winning some of these tournaments. I just don't know if it's ever going to happen for him. We already mentioned it a little bit. Uh, you know, we got three other majors. They they have adjusted the uh, schedule this year for people that haven't been following golf so far. So they moved. The Players' Championship off Mother's Day, and they moved it to March. And with the thought being that they wanted to get done with all their big tournaments before college football season, apparently. And they have, starting in March, you have the Players' Championship. Then in April, you have the Masters. Uh, In May, we have the PGA this year, PGA Championship, which is typically in August. They moved it to May. Uh, In July, on Father's Day weekend, we have the U.S. Open, and then or in June, Father's Day weekend, we have U.S. Open, and in July we have the Open Championship, and then it, the season concludes with the Tour Championship in August. So do you have any predictions for the other four tournaments? Give me give me some names you think that uh, could break through in the other four. Uh, I'm kind of giving away my U.S. Open pick. I'm going to say Tiger with that. I think that would be a cool story. Uh, Phil would be a cool story. He could complete his career grand slam with the U.S. Open. But I'm going to go with Tiger at the U.S. Open. Um uh, man, um, I said Rory was gonna maybe win two, and I yep. think I think Rory may win the Open Championship. It's a, it's it's close to his hometown, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland. So I'll pick Rory there, and then I'll pick a guy who we just got done talking about, who his big breakthrough is is still to come. I'll say yeah. Ricky Fowler wins the uh, the PGA Championship. I think that would be a uh, – it's not the biggest turn. Obviously, it's not the biggest of the four, but yeah. I, I think uh, that would finally get him to have a major. So kind of get that monkey off his back there. Yeah, if he's going to win one, it just feels like he's probably going to win the PGA because it, it just seems like – it's not that he crumbles in the, in the big moments. He's always in the leaderboard, but he's never had the lead. He just kind of like hovers around there. And maybe he can just – you know, if, he, if you're going to backdoor your way into winning one of those, I feel like you typically do that in the U.S. Open or the British Open because, you know, the way those courses play, you can have somebody uh, kind of collapse in front of you, and you typically have to throw down a pretty good number to win uh, the PGA Championship. I'm going to pick Kepka for the PGA Championship. I think he'll have his kinks worked out by then, and he's, I, I, just, I just think that he's going to continue to find a way to win some majors for the next few years and have just a really weird career where he only wins major championships. 
uh, I think that honestly, kind of what I was going back to, I could see Ricky Fowler maybe coming through in the uh, Peach or in the U.S. Open. Uh, it's I think it'll be a big, big stage, and maybe if they have the, they're not going to have the course play as difficult as last year because too many people were complaining about it. So it's probably going to play a little bit easier, but maybe everything will work out for Ricky Fowler to break through. And then I'm going to, I'm going to uh, pick you back off your uh, uh, McElroy pick in the open championship. I feel like the storyline is too perfect for him not to win in uh, Northern Ireland. Maybe the, maybe the pressure will be too great, uh, but I think that would be a really cool story. And although I would love it in you know, my perfect uh, situation would be to have uh, Phil win the op- uh, the U.S. Open and Tiger win the Open Championship. I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Tiger, well, Tiger's one of those things that you keep hoping for, but you just can't really believe it till it happens. Yeah, it's going to happen. He, I feel like he has one more moment in the sun. I don't think that that Tour Championship last year was it. I feel like he's going to have one more moment in the sun. I, I also think Phil is... is you know, p- part of his story is his uh, the, the moments that he came really close but didn't do it. I don't know if he's going to ever win another major. And the guy's almost 50. He's almost about to go dominate the Champions Tour. But uh, I, can, I, I feel like he's going to be there in another major championship on, on the back nine on Sunday again. But it pains me to say, you know, it may be another situation where he comes agonizingly close. And it's probably going to happen at the U.S. Open again just to kind of you know, continue his legacy. Do you know how many times he's finished second at the U.S. Open? It's, it's a crazy number. Is it seven? I, I wanted to say six. It's like six or seven times. Yeah, like, yeah, that's crazy. It, it's a crazy number of times. Now, not all those were agonizing defeats. He had a couple of times. I think in the worst was maybe in uh, 2013 where, he, you know, he essentially had the tournament won and just yeah. kind of felt forward. Yeah. Uh, but that was also the year he bounced back and won the British Open. But, uh, uh, but you know, it's... I, like I said, I think that I think that they'll eventually maybe have one more time before they are kind of put to pasture where, where they're where they're the main story on a big tournament once again. Even though we do have a good young crop, crop of golfers. So, Steph, you know, kind of final final question: uh, When was the last time you actually were on a golf course playing some golf? Ooh, uh, maybe the summer before last. Maybe two years coming up. Mm. Uh, I think I went out and played uh, played some golf with one of my buddies uh, at the Sinker City Country Club where we grew up, and it was not pretty. Um, I think I played a few times that summer. I think that I think two summers ago, I think that was going to be my my start to make the PGA Tour, and I went out and played, you know, probably close to maybe ten times, a dozen times, and uh, never went well. So yeah. I have I have not played since. So, well, I tell you, my last time I played, I played once last summer, but I, I had the same thing happen a couple of summers ago. Stephanie was pregnant, and we had a girl. Our, our oldest was in preschool, and I would take her to preschool, and and it was like a three hour a day situation. Steph was too pregnant to really want to do anything, so I would take her to preschool. And then I would go play nine holes, and then I would go pick her up. And I did that a lot. And, man, I got to where I was still terrible. Uh, but I really blame my friends growing up for me being so bad. And it's because I, I, I was about four or five years behind everybody on getting the getting kind of caught with the golf bug. 
And what I mean by that is by the time I had any interest in picking up a set of clubs, all my friends were good, and they had zero interest in playing with me. And the little that they did play with me, it was uh, it was there was a lot of Brandon just pick it up, just pick it up. We got to move on. Yeah. So I'm, I put a lot of blame on them. Uh, you would think if I had this many uh, college golfers uh, that were close friends of mine, somebody could have given me some sort of instruction of how to hit a golf ball straight, but it just never happened. So well, it's funny. We we kind of grew up the same thing. You know, all my fr- friends played golf too. And we used to go out and play best ball some. And, um, like, they would always use, like, whoever I was playing with, they would always, we would always use their shot. And then we got to the green, and then they would make me putt. So, you can only screw up so much putting. So, yeah, and every once in a while you'd get to use your putt. Uh, Yeah, I I, I did a lot of best ball. Uh, We would end up driving the cart a lot playing best ball. What we could do is, uh, because one of my friends growing up, uh, Parker Scarborough, who ended up being like Division One golfer and one of the best amateur golfers in the state uh, a couple years ago, you know, he was significantly better than my other friends that were also really good at golf. So me and Parker could play best ball and we just used his ball every time and we would still beat the other guys playing best ball. So uh, fun times, fun times. Well, man, I guess that kind of wraps it up for our, our golf preview edition. I'm, I, you know, I know we're we're nowhere near, you know, experts in any sport, and I know golf is definitely not the one where we are as technically advanced as, you know, basketball or baseball, just because we don't have the experience. But God, uh, enjoy watching it; it's a lot of fun. And specifically this week, I'm looking forward to to sitting in front of the, the TV a little bit, specifically Sunday afternoon, and just seeing it, all the drama unfold. Yeah, me too. I feel the same way. I'm looking forward to it, and I'm just I'm just hoping and praying for some cool storylines. Oh, definitely, definitely. Well, thank you guys for listening to another uh, episode of Talking BS. We'll be back again next week uh, for some more uh, talk sports. Thanks, Seth. All right, we'll see you all.